Excellent. Welcome to Military Reunion Network Radio. I'm Sharon Danachek, and we are doing a series on Find the Helpers. And I have been super excited about talking to Sonia Jorgensen. She is the founder and executive director and um, woman of many hats for <laughs> an organization called Hooves and Heroes, and it's an equine therapy. Uh, this is um, includes two topics that are near and dear to my heart, uh, veterans and horses. So I am uh, so super excited that we have a minute to sit down um, in the midst of your busy schedule. So thank you and, and welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Um, you and I have been talking quite a bit about Hooves and Heroes. And um, one of the questions that we wanted to kind of intermingle um, with our conversation that we're going to share with everybody today is kind of um, how it came to be because that's, that's such a, a big, you know, you have yeah. different experiences from your life. So we're going to, I typically I'll start with how did it happen? You know, how did it come to be? And so mm -hmm. we're going to, we're going to start with your uh, mission and purpose uh, first, and then we're going to mm -hmm. ingle, you know, intermingle kind of how you got where you are. So why don't we start with mission and purpose? Yeah, it's um, Hooves and Heroes mission and purpose is really about um, providing opportunities for veterans, first responders and their families um, to interact with horses and each other in a way that helps build resiliency, um, emotional resilience, have a um, an experiential format and opportunity to learn about how they interact with each other, interact in the world, um, form some communication tools um, and help reinforce the tools they may already have in their toolbox to feel like they can show up um, in spaces fully present as themselves, uh, relaxed and free of anxiety is our goal, of course. Um, uh -huh. So it really is about providing um, experiences, training, education for veterans, first responders, and their family members. Um, as you know, you know their spouses also, also go through quite a bit um, to really yeah. learn some of these life skills um, and help give them some tools that can help uh, overcome some of the challenges that they face after they come home. You know, we've talked a lot and you've experienced, and I know I've experienced as well, when you're talking to spouses of uh, veterans and, and um, active military, when they come home, they are different. And yes. um, good, bad, and different, you know, it just, they, they are different. And I know sometimes the, the veteran feels it, there might be um, a wall or a, a, a protective layer that is there um, that maybe not, would not have been there before. And, and um, so, so walk me through if, if a veteran kind of is in that space, um, mm -hmm. how, how coming out to see you, how horses can help them with that? Absolutely. Um, horses have many things in common with us, especially those that are returning from places of conflict, um, in that they are always on aware of their environment. They're always on alert. They do not trust immediately. You must earn their trust. They have to know that you are showing up congruent, which is something we can circle back to as it's so um, important. Uh, but they respond to who you are right then and there in that moment. 
Um, the positive side of that is that how they show up in those spaces, how they choose to move through that energy and make those decisions is what we can learn from. They don't show up with this keen awareness in a state of anxiety. Their keen awareness of their environment comes from a very relaxed, calm, centered, and grounded place. And that's something we can really learn from them is how do we interact in these unknown environments um, in Costco <laughs> and even yeah. you know, family hearings, you know, with family. How do we show up in these spaces um, and maintain our awareness and our alertness, but from a calm and relaxed state, not from a state of anxiety? Um, horses and veterans um, are very similar in that you don't want to approach them quietly and come at their blind side. I know we talked about that too. You, you need to make mm -hmm. your presence known. You know, there's these little things that start to come up for them that do, that do show that the individual has returned different. Maybe they weren't like that prior, but now um, you must approach them differently or speak to them differently um, to kind of maintain that sense of calm, to not push them into that fight or flight mode. Um, and so family struggles with that sometimes, not understanding why that individual returns differently or how they should show up differently. And even if educated, their why is still um, a void to them. It's, it's this unreachable space of the why um, and I think family members can benefit in interacting with horses because we can begin to have those conversations in a place where it takes the focus off the veteran. And we can mm -hmm. talk about how horses show up in those spaces and how that might relate and how that might correlate to how um, we need to now interact with our family. Um, it also helps to bring some awareness into um, what the veteran may have gone through that has led to that. I know. A lot of families are in the dark purely because their veteran family member does not want them to feel or see or re-experience what they've been through. And it's a sense of protecting their family from that, um, yeah. which is honorable. And at the same time, though, it can create a void and it can create communication breakdown. Um, <clears throat> showing the veteran or the family member how to communicate with horses and how we can have healthy boundaries and healthy communication and um, can aid them in in building a similar communication style with their family where they can begin to um, go through that discovery process of perhaps why they need to be approached a certain way or talked to a certain way or invited a certain way or you know whatever is necessary um, without feeling like they need to divulge things that they're not ready to um, it can help just give them some skills of here's here's how we can approach that conversation here's how we can ask for their, um, their time and attention. Here's how we can have a two-way respectful environment. And we, we do that work with the horses so that they have a practice ground to do that. And horses are great for that because they'll tell you immediately how that is going for them. Mm -hmm. They, well, let's, they uh, let's, don't mask anything. Well, so let's, let's talk about that in a little bit more detail. When, when that individual is around horses, what is, what is the horse's reaction? And I know that you are way in tune with it because it is extremely subtle. So what, what do you look for and, and you know, how does a horse react a little bit differently to that sure. person than they would somebody else? Sure. There's a lot of different layers to it. Um, first, kind of to touch on that, when you go into traumatic experiences, the way that's described is that it's arrhythmic, that are, that 
as human beings, our brains, mammals in general, horses included, we rely on predictability, rhythm and pattern, that we know what to expect. When you are in a traumatic environment, it is arrhythmic. The expectations are gone. Like you, you don't know what's coming around the corner. And that lack of predictability removes that sense of safety. Um, <clears throat> and that is what contributes a lot to these, you know, these big moments where they might no longer have control of their emotions. That um, we get into a part of our brain that is a little bit more of our um, mammalian side, I guess, you know, we, we yeah. get into survival mode. Our brain kicks into a whole different area where that higher order thinking, that ability to discern um, is gone. Um, what horses do is horses provide us an opportunity when we show up in a space, if we are anxious, if we are um, incongruent, meaning our outsides don't match our insides, if we're tense, if we're stressed, Horses pick up on that. When you are a um, prey animal, it is very dangerous to be around an animal that does not know themselves for a couple of reasons. Either you're a danger to the herd because you could get us hurt because you're not paying attention, or you're a danger to the herd because you're masking your feelings, and that is predator behavior. Like, you know, the, the, the lion walking up to the watering hole. Oh, I'm just here for a drink of water. When in reality, they're there to eat, right? So yeah. they don't trust it on a few levels. Now, that doesn't mean we want to walk out there and, and just completely explode and let everything out at once. Um, emotional resiliency isn't about masking. It's not about even controlling our emotions. It's about getting in alignment with them to simply say, you know what? I am tense today. I do uh -huh. feel anxiety today. I'm not myself. I'm I'm distracted. Just having that conversation with the air, you know, talking to the horse about yeah. it. Getting into a space where we're not ignoring it and trying to stuff it down and set it aside can bring congruence to say, you're right, I'm in a bad place. And then we can move from that and we can start to move outside of ourselves and shift the focus from that internal turmoil to external surroundings and environment and begin to move some of that energy out of our body. The scientific way that they are starting to prove horses can pick up on this is through heart energy congruence. So we all give off an electromagnetic field. Um, the heart is the main electrical generator of the body. And your heart rate, your pulse rate, um, is not consistent from beat to beat. And mm -hmm. so horses, is the, the belief is, at least what science is coming up with now, is that they can feel that variability in your heart rate and that that's what they're responding to and anxious and diso disassociated or disoriented states that variability is greater in congruent states it is less so what we do is we try to shift to a place where we can get in alignment and our pulse rate can come down that's another way horses help is that in general because of this field that we have around our heart space Horses also have one as a mammal. Um, and then if we're standing in their space, a lot of times our, we will sync up. So they've had mm -hmm. a lot of studies done where it shows we sync up with them and their heart rates are slower, which helps calm us down instantly just by slowing our heart rate. So there's a lot of science behind some of the stuff that people experience and can't always explain just being in the presence of horses. Um, but horses don't know how to mask emotions. They don't know how to do that. That's not part of their vocabulary or their culture. So mm -hmm. 
uh, most of my veterans, their feedback to me is that when I go out there with the horses, if they want nothing to do with me, I know I'm off. Right. And so a lot of times when you spend enough time cutting your brain off from your body on purpose, right? You have to, it's a survival skill, especially when you're in service, you have to disconnect. Um, that disassociation becomes um, detrimental when you come back into, you know, the private sector and now you need to realign your brain and your body. Yeah. Um, <laughs> excuse me, the horses, um, they don't know how to separate their brain and their body at all. And so they immediately respond to how you are, um, how your energy is, how you are mentally, um, even if you don't feel it yourself. And the benefit to the veteran is that they have, then have a visual cue. They now know if they can't feel it necessarily uh, because maybe they're always in a state of anxiety. And so to them, that feels like baseline, that's normal. But the horse feels it as anxiety. They'll give them a visual cue so the, in, the individual can check back in with themselves and go, oh, wait, where am I right now? Where am I in space and time? You know, check in with myself, um, shift that energy, and then the horses will respond immediately and they will shift with them. It's, um, it's pretty cool to see. We've, we've talked a, a bit about, you know, my horse interaction over the years. You know, I, I had a horse for a, a, over 20 years and, and he just passed away recently. And I, I was sharing with you that when I would go to the barn and ride, I had to be present. So whatever mm -hmm. chaos, whatever challenges, whatever yes. was in my brain, you know, that internal dialogue stopped mm -hmm. by the time right. that I was at the barn. And I was joking with you that it was for an hour, but it's never an hour. It's always never an hour. More. <laughs> no. Yeah. Um, but that, but that time, and I would liken it to, um, if you always have a loud noise going off inside your brain, Mm -hmm. Being at the barn, mm -hmm. the volume is turned off for that time that you're there. And so exactly. maybe with the veteran community that come to visit you, it's not only being able to assess, you know, kind of where they are and what space they're in, but also being able to turn off all of the oh. background noise for, for a time. Do you find that true? Absolutely. It gives them an opportunity to focus in the here and now for a couple of reasons. One, they're watching the, how the horse responds to them. So that sort of takes you out of your own, you know, stuff for a minute. Mm -hmm. Two, it's a huge flight animal. If we're not paying attention, it can be dangerous, you know, mm -hmm. and um, <laughs> as you and I both know. So you have to be present. You have to fully show mm -hmm. up and be in the moment with them. Um, and they lend themselves to that very easily. It's very easy for us to move into that headspace around horses. And I'm sure, again, there's probably more science on that too and how that happens, but we seem to just chemically shift um, just in the presence of horses. There's also that desire to connect, right? I, I really notice from the veterans this deep desire to connect with another sentient being. Um, and in that desire to connect, they realize that it's never going to happen unless they start to quiet their mind that the yeah. horses don't, you know, our brains are loud and busy and, and that creates all this anxiety and, and fluff that we carry around that horses really aren't accustomed to and they don't have necessarily in their world. So 
they avoid it. Mm -hmm. And if we can calm that side of ourselves a little bit, the horse will approach and seek interaction. Let's, let's talk about your herd. And so let's talk about who, you know, who your equine partners are. And then also if you're going to expand the herd, Sonia, you know, what do you, what do you look for if you're going to add an equine partner to your program? Absolutely. Um, Right now we have three horses that belong to Hooves and Heroes. Um, However, we have access to um, our spirit to spirit herd, um, which is the for-profit company on our property as well. Mm -hmm. Um, So Hooves and Heroes um, has two thoroughbred mares that were um, donated to the program um, out of a, a breeding program. And then we have a mini as well. And that mini um, is um, young, but trained. So we're working mm-hmm. with her on learning how to uh, pull a cart so that hopefully um, those that are in the program, if they choose to ride, we have horses that they can ride. Or if they choose not to ride, they can do groundwork or um, they can do cart driving work um, with our mini, if that's something that they desire to do uh, as well. So we have some options that way, which is kind of nice. So these two mares that came to us, um, one is in training right now to be able to be mounted. Um, She's she's broke to ride, but I like to run them through a pretty rigorous program to make sure they're safe for beginners. Uh, The other one has had some health challenges lately. And so she's been spending a lot of time off um, and a lot of quality time with our vet <laughs> lately. So, um, but still available to work on the ground, um, but we aren't doing any mounted work with her yet. Then the um, the spirit to spirit herd, we have a number of horses there that are all able to um, go under saddle as well as um, all of them are safe for groundwork. Um, so we have quite a few options. Uh, right now, I sort of you know, I either let the veteran choose um, who they'd like to work with, or honestly, sometimes the horse chooses <laughs> who they work with. Um, but also if I have a purpose or, or an intent in mind for that day for, for class, for example, um, of what we're going to be learning, I may select certain horses based on how they respond to that type of work. Um, or if I already know the veteran, if we've worked together in the past, I might choose horses based on um, what they're working on in that moment and what horse might help them with that uh, the best. So it kind of varies. You know, it just really depends on what we're working on and if we're in group or individual. There, for, for the non-equestrians that are listening, there mm-hmm. are some breeds that are more... Um, I don't want to say excitable, but maybe mm-hmm. I should say more sensitive to their surroundings. Yes. Thoroughbreds are one, Arabs mm-hmm. are one. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's other breeds that are just calm, super you know, chill. Mm-hmm. super, super, super chill, you know, quarter horses and, and a mm-hmm. lot of drafts are, are that, right. you know, just that way. So it's, right. um, um, if you, when we were talking about, you know, the second part of my question was, you know, mm-hmm. if you're going to add a horse. Oh, to your yes. Horse, I'm sorry. Yes. What, mm-hmm. would you, is there is there a specific breed or age or. So I. Um, I have a pretty strong, very, pretty passionate <laughs> perspective about 
um, horses and age. So I have a very senior herd. Um, the majority of my herd is senior. The benefit to this kind of work um, for horses that are of an advanced age and in horse world, mm -hmm. that's, you know, they typically don't make it much past 30 years of age, though there are some that do. Yeah. Um, in, in the horse world, um, at that age, they have a very different mind and it's very beneficial in this work. They have probably seen and done it all. They have been in many different environments around many different people. And that is very beneficial for us because they, they've started to figure out what makes humans tick and uh -huh. they can really come into that space, understanding what we need, even when we don't know what we need. Yeah. You have a, you're a Navy veteran mm -hmm. and then you went, I'm kind of paraphrasing this down just a little bit to kind of get sure. us to the bigger question of bigger <laughs> the finale. Of, why? How? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, yeah. We, we've, you and I have talked about your service in the Navy and then you also uh, worked at, and, and I want to say served at, but worked at the, um, with Veterans Affairs here locally mm -hmm. in Washington. So um, those two experiences were, were, you know, kind of two things that have added to um, all of the elements that brought you to Hooves and Heroes. So can you, mm -hmm. can you talk a little bit about the, the rest of them? Yes, yes. Um, it really was. And that was, you know, that's kind of why we laughed and why we didn't start off with the why was because, yeah. you know, in transparency for those listening when that's usually a question of what started you and why did it start? And I'm like, I don't have a short answer right? <laughs> because there's so many pieces. Um, I don't have anything that's really succinct. That's good for radio. Um, there's just so many pieces to it. And, and all these little pieces are what have resulted in hooves and heroes. The, you know, being in the military myself um, as a corpsman, um, working for the VA after um, finishing nursing school, being just someone who feels like, you know, a desire to give back and, and help those, you know, those that we can for sure um, contributes foundationally. Um, growing up with horses and um, the struggles of being a teenager, you know, and the things that we go through, having horses contributed a lot to my mental health growing up. And mm -hmm. through my teen years, my 20s, going into my 30s. I mean, horses have always been present for me and always been very transformative in my ability to learn how to be a good leader, learn how to move through my environment, learn how to build healthy relationships. That's all come from horses. So yeah. at a young age, um, you know, it was shortly after, I would say in my 20s, shortly after, you know, kind of being out of the military and working for the VA is when I started to think about how horses might benefit um, veterans in a similar way and, and as a even as just a give back. Um, at the time, I didn't know this even was a thing. And it is, by the way, um, for others that that mm -hmm. even existed. Um, I so I really started doing some research yeah. um, to learn a lot about the programs that do exist to read. Oh, man, so many books about equine assisted therapies, um, true actual therapy versus equine assisted learning type environments like mine where we don't really dig into the deep, dark stuff um, so much. So, um, I, you know, I looked at all the different facets of it and all the different ways they're designed. Um, I started getting mentors. I attended different types of clinics and trainings. I mean, it just went on and on and on for years. Yep. My plan was to 
start this in my retirement, uh, you know, a little bit more advanced age than I am now. And then I just was like, why am I waiting? You know, I just finally had that. Why am I waiting conversation with myself and who in their right mind does this kind of work when like we were talking about ibuprofen earlier? <laughs> yeah. Who started this stuff in their 60s and lives to tell about it? <laughs> you know, I'm I'm hurting bad enough as it is working with horses in my 40s. Um, so it really was about, you know, um, getting rid of some of that narrative and programming that I had to wait and do this later and I couldn't do it now. And and then I had to start forming um, what it, would it look like? How did I want to build out the program? What did I want to offer? I, that's And that's also when first responders came into the program as well, because I realized in my research of what was available and how, you know, finding the actual, you know, my nursing science brain, my peer reviewed, you know, studies that I <laughs> was pulling up and reading on benefits and things really realizing that the trauma first responders encounter um, is very similar. Uh, there's differences, of course, but there's a lot of similarities and they do not have the resources they need either. Um, is how they were. I, I put them in the in the pot. Um, so it really was a combination of many, many things. I did a lot of test runs on different things. Um, I've done a lot of leadership training in partnership with horses, which actually relies on a lot of the same core skills that we teach at Hoves and Heroes with regard to communication and emotional resiliency and congruence and how we show up in a space, how our energy precedes us. You know, we talk a lot about those things from leadership as well, because whether you're leading a team or just yourself, it's, you know, requires a lot of the same emotional intelligence skills. Yeah. Um, yeah. So like I said, not a short answer, but there's a lot of pieces that I've pulled together um, from my life that really led me to this place of saying, hey, I, I know and I have seen and I have experienced the benefit of horses in healing emotions and helping to build key life skills. And I want to make that available to the people that need it the most, in my estimation. Yeah, and and they definitely they definitely do. Um, you were, I, and I just, you didn't say it, but I'm just going to say it now, your research <laughs> And your the 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 learning that you did was over twenty years. So this is not. Yes. I don't want people to think. Oh, I just read a couple articles. I read a book. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> you. Yeah. Yeah. So it was. It was yeah. a lot of detail that that went into mm-hmm. just just connecting, you know, horses and humans, and and yes. how all of yeah. that works with with. Yeah. Brain. My nursing degree is a, um, I have a master's in nursing. And so that conditioning of myself, I guess, of how I do research and how I come to conclusions and how I delve into things is, is sort of the foundation of that. So yeah, to your point, it wasn't like, oh, I read this really cool book or I watched a movie. And so yeah, mm-hmm. I, I'm, I would never say that I, ha- I have all the knowledge, but I definitely have done um, a lot of research. Um, for yeah. sure, and a lot of trial and error on some things before we brought it live. So let's let's talk about your actual location because sure. um, you know, in in going out to visit with you, you know, you have your your covered arena, which is gold mm-hmm. for anybody oh, living yeah. in Washington State with a with a horse. Um, Absolutely. Let's talk about you know, your vision for your property, um, mm-hmm. and 
all of the all of the different things that people can enjoy while they're there. So our facility is based in Stanwood, Washington. Um, and for those that aren't familiar with the way the state is laid out, that's in Snohomish County, um, just south of the Skagit County line. Um, we have 11 acres that uh, with 10 horses on the property at the moment. And um, a couple goats and some chickens and garden space. And like you mentioned, the covered arena, we have a round pen. So there's, you know, nice, beautiful barn. And then also indoor spaces inside the home as well um, that we utilize for group activities and, and arts and crafts nights and drum circles and all kinds of cool stuff that we do inside as well. Yeah. Um, so really our goal for this property is to create a healing space for people in whatever capacity that is. Um, we have an area in the back of like a grove of cedar trees that people like to go and just be in that space. Um, we have uh, obviously all the horse activities out in the fields as well as in the arena when the weather's a little crummy. Um, so yeah, it's, it's a beautiful site. And for those that, you know, horses aren't really their thing, that's okay. It's just a really nice relaxing piece of property to be on. There's also gardening. Um, like I said, the other farm critters, um, it can also just be a meeting and gathering place for people if they want to bring a small group of veterans out and just, I don't know, have a barbecue, you know, just hang out. They totally can do that. Um, we have an apple orchard, um, that's also got some pear and plum trees in it. And, um, so just some neat little spaces on the property. Um, and then inside there's some rooms available for people. We hold our board meetings in there. We hold, like I said, some craft nights and things if people wanted to do like a, a group session inside. Um, we've been discussing doing peer support training mm -hmm. um, here at the site as well, um, which would be inside. So a lot of opportunity out here. And so the vision for us really is to just be that space um, in whatever capacity that is that Obviously for me, the horses are, are my big passion and the one that I would, uh, I encourage the most, but um, we, I kind of blow the doors open and I've got many different people that run a few different things out here. We're just sort of the host site. Um, so you'll see a lot of randomness sometimes of things that are happening out here and you're like, what is going on? Um, it's really just people approach me and say, hey, can we rent your space for XYZ? Sure, we've got some riding clinics coming up in the spring, we're doing, gosh, we've got an essential oils class coming up. I mean, you know, just somebody, can we do a class? Yeah, I'm like, sure, come on down. We do a drum yep. circle. Um, drumming is, is um, we've been talking about setting one up just specifically for Hooves and Heroes because this is public, but we want to create one specific for veterans or first responders. Because again, back to that conversation about rhythmic pattern behavior, um, drumming, even if you don't drum, but you're just in that environment during drumming yep. can help to reset and re-regulate energy. Um, if you're struggling with some anxiety or, or, in a, or that disassociation and disconnection uh, between mind and body, um, drums can help rhythmic drums. Um, yep. so, you know, things like that, that, um, that we do here, we've got all kinds of little stuff. I've got some vintage campers in the back that my husband and I are working on to, uh, we're going to set up, we've got an old vintage horse trailer. We're converting to an outdoor kitchen and, it's boondocking right now, so you got to be able to rough it a little bit. But I figure it's a pretty good crowd; they understand that. For <laughs> yeah, <laughs> these are five-star hotel peeps, so <laughs> they'll be all right. And people are living in apartments or living in downtown mm -hmm. Seattle, which mm -hmm. is only I don't know what forty miles away from you. And it's yeah. Yeah, it is, you know, just just you know, w being in the country and the quiet and 
um, mm -hmm. that space, it, rustic or not, I think it, it, it really right. kind of, it really helps your soul. Um, how, how do you come up with the different programs that, that you're mm -hmm. going to focus on? And, and let's, let's talk a little bit about program design for, yeah. for Hooves and Heroes. Absolutely. So um, our first full year was this year. This is this is kind of our first 12 months um, in business. And so we've been doing a lot of one-on-one -on -one work. Um, as interest grows, we've been moving to, for 2024, we're going to be moving to a small group design. Uh, we also received some feedback, which I love, um, from our veterans and first responders um, that included um, a desire for small group. There's a... Um, you know, there's something about being there with a couple buddies. Um, there's also a check balance that occurs that's helpful too. You know, you're looking out for each other. Um, and that shared experience can be very beneficial as well. Um, so we are going to move to a small group design. And then from the first responders, a lot of them are really uh, struggle with a set day and time every week because of their work schedules. So what we're doing is we're gonna create blocks throughout each month that vary by day as, you know, there'll mm -hmm. be always a weekend of it, um, date available. There will always be like a Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday type available. And then you you come to the ones that you can and they're um, like four hour blocks of time. And that way you get a nice immersive experience with the horses. We move through some horsemanship skills um, up to and including learning how to ride a horse if that's your desire. If not, that's totally fine. There are many other advanced techniques that we can learn from the ground. Or if you just simply want to be there and spend some time with them um, there's not, it's a challenge by choice. There's no real pressure to perform. Right. Um, and, you know, those that do want to learn how to ride, we'll have sessions for those so we can teach them how to ride and we can get them out um, learning uh, how to, how to do some trail obstacle is our goal to teach that because mm -hmm. then from there you can kind of go anywhere. But um, yeah, so we're, you know, that's kind of our program design is small group and learning how to interact with horses and work with them and then start teaching some basic horsemanship skills as they advance along. On our website, we'll have those sign up registrations um, here pretty soon that will include each of the dates and what will be covered in those dates so people can pick what they want to register for. So speaking of your website, let's talk about how to, <laughs> how to get in touch with you now that people yes. have, you know, heard a bit more about your program. Right. Um, so we have um, hoovesandheroes.org is our website, and so the and the word and is spelled out. So hoovesandheroes.org is our website. Um, you can email info at hoovesandheroes.org. That gets to our board members, or if you want to email me directly, it's it's Sonia at hoovesandheroes.org, and that's S-O-N-I-A. Um, on there, you'll also see. So we'll try. We try very hard to keep the calendar current, <laughs> keep it up yeah. to date. Again, we're we're a small crew, so sometimes things fall through the cracks, but. Um, we work pretty hard to keep the calendar up to date of what's coming up next, what's going on. If you ever have any questions, you can always email. Um, and our fundraising um, efforts are on there as well for people that may want to donate or give back or participate financially in any way or have any tools or resources they could provide towards our effort would be fabulous. We have a, uh, we're trying to build an advanced trail obstacle course on the property. And as you can imagine, that requires a lot of heavy equipment and things, which mm -hmm. costs money. So. Uh, and then we have our barbecue, our fire truck that has this massive barbecue. It's been converted um, in the back of it that we want to be able to get into parades, but also take out for um, just raising awareness and raising funds. Um, and then also to do give backs at veterans service locations and things. So um, we want to get her roadworthy. She needs tires, wheels and brakes. So 
you know, and then there's all kinds of other things, of course, that are needed when you work with horses. Yeah. I want to thank you so much for starting this program before retirement. I, I just, I just really thank you so much for all of the work that you're, you're doing to support our veterans and, and first responders. So oh, you as well, you as well. So thank you to everyone that has joined us today on MRN radio. I really appreciate it to our veterans uh, that are listening and our military reunion planners that are listening. Thank you so much for your service for your service to our country. I hope you hear it all the time and I hope you never tire of hearing it. To our reunion planners, um, you are just amazing champions of keeping your battle family together. So thank you so much and we will catch you next time.